Happy Mother's Day. Mothers are a wonderful, wonderful gift. And being a mother is a wonderful gift. Mothers deserve being honored more than just one day a year. I read a quote over the last few weeks that say, it kind of talks about and it encapsulates truly what a mother is. It says, life doesn't come with a manual, it comes with a mother. Most mothers, for Mother's Day, the gift they want the most would be replacement silverware. <laughs> Where's the forks? Like, we, <laughs> we just bought new forks because I was down to, like, two. And I don't have little kids at home. I just have a grown one. <laughs> As mothers, we find out that kids will make a lot of plans for people who can't drive themselves anywhere. Motherhood is the fairy tale of Cinderella in reverse. It starts with a beautiful gown and it ends with cleaning up after everyone else. And it's sad when you find yourself sitting on the couch waiting on mom to fix supper and you realize you are the mom that's supposed to be fixing the supper. That reminds me of my mother. I'm not going to stand here today and tell you that my brother and I were spoiled because that would be a lie. The truth is that soon to be 52 and soon to be 48, we are spoiled. Our mother has served our family selflessly over and over and over. And we were very spoiled. We still are. We, we didn't do anything for ourselves. She did it all. To the degree that if Jeffrey was working late or I was the one that was working late and we missed family supper, Mama would keep ours fresh and hot or we'd get something different. And regardless of what her schedule contained, she sat down with us at the dinner table so that we didn't eat by ourselves. My mother exemplified Christ to us. She sacrificed for us. And she loved us with a love that is fierce and I'm grateful for it we're grateful for it right we love you we're taking her to eat afterwards so she'll be happy
Our mothers, as I said, do deserve to be honored for so many reasons. And the message today that I believe God spoke to me several months ago is called Choose to Remember. And it's not just enough for us to choose to remember. It's important that we choose the right things to remember. And mothers do this very well. Mothers don't remember the late nights and the screaming, crying baby and the fits and the, the, the failures and the losses. Mothers remember bringing us home from the hospital and cradling us and holding us. And her love comforting us. They remember our wins and our accomplishments. And in all things, they remember their love for us. And we could take that example from mothers. As we look at our lives and, and consider the choice to remember and the choice of what to remember. I don't teach like Pastor Jim does, so I'm not necessarily going verse by verse today. It's it's pretty topical. I just want to have a discussion with you about a story in your Bible as it plays out. And it is the the release of the Israelites from Egypt and their journey of wandering in the wilderness to reach their promised land. The Bible tells us that God had heard the cries of his people. And he had compassion for them and he, he freed them from that slavery and he led them to the land that he had promised them in the covenant he made with them. The main scripture I'm going to read to you today comes from Joshua chapter 4. If you'd like to turn there with me. I already did because this Bible isn't my regular Bible. Um, it's my large print Bible and I still have to have glasses to see what it says. <clears throat> but in chapter 4 of Joshua... After their 40 years of wandering, the Israelites are crossing the Jordan River where God is moving the waters and parting the waters of the Jordan to allow them to walk across on dry land and reach their promised land, that land of milk and honey that he promised them. And in the beginning of the chapter, God tells Joshua to take 12 men, one from each tribe, and have them take for themselves a stone. And to carry that stone with them to their lodging place for the night. And in Joshua chapter 4 verse 20 through 24 we read this. Those 12 stones which they had taken from the Jordan Joshua set up at Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel. When your children ask their fathers in time to come saying what are these stones. Then you shall inform your children saying Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed. And verse 24 says, That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. See, in this, in this scripture, God instructed the Israelites... Excuse me, to remember. And he told them what to remember and why they should remember. He didn't tell them, remember all that bad stuff, remember all those low points as we made this journey. 
He told them to remember the things that God had done on their behalf as they made that journey. And the reason for that is so that when their children asked, they could say to all peoples, the hand of the Lord is mighty. Pastor Jim teaches us week in and week out that everything that God does, he does for his glory. The things that God did on behalf of the Israelites, he did for his own glory. And he expected them to glorify him as they remembered what he had done. And we're told to take example and do the same thing. The journey for the Israelites, as I said, I'm just going to kind of walk you through the story of Exodus. I'll give you some scriptures to remember, and, and I encourage you to go back and, and read through that. If you haven't read it in a long time or you've never read it, go back and read it. Um, it's, it's a really good story. But their journey began with a man sent by God. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 9 through 15, God calls Moses to be the redeemer of his people. And Moses, throughout scripture, is a type of Jesus. Moses was sent to speak and intercede on behalf of the people of Israel, much like Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Moses was sent to lead them to the promised land who in Jesus' absence after his ascension to heaven, we've been given the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and direct us. And just like the Israelites, our remembering has to begin with our belief in Jesus and the fact that he is Lord and Savior. Because in that chapter, once Moses has been called and God prepares him. Moses and Aaron go and talk to the elders of Israel. And the scripture says, and they believed and they worshiped him. Lord. If you haven't moved to a place where you believe, then that's the only work God's going to do in your life until you get there. Amen. There is nothing to remember of God working on your behalf except that he was drawing you by his Holy Spirit to repentance and to receive salvation. Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Lord. The freedom of the, the Israelites began with their belief of what Moses and Aaron told them God promised them. The journey for our freedom from bondage begins with belief in the one who died for you. That you may have life eternally with him and not be separated from him. That promised land. There's so many parallels between the, the Israelites and, and the life that we live. Secondly, in the book of Exodus chapter 7 verse or chapter 7 through chapter 11 God sent 10 plagues on Egypt and he protected the Israelites during the Passover we first read in Exodus of the water being turned into blood God sent frogs on the land lice flies livestock were were killed pestilence boils hail locusts and darkness 
And the final plague was to smite the firstborn of the people of Egypt. The firstborn of the sons of Israel were protected and kept alive, thus creating the Passover celebration. I think sometimes as we accept and, and try to be obedient to the call that God places in us and, and our true one and only purpose, which is to share the gospel with those who don't know. Sometimes we give them a false hope that, and we don't do it intentionally. I don't believe any of us do it intentionally, but there's this false hope that once I give my life to the Lord, every step I take, daisies are going to bounce up behind me. And if you read the story of Exodus, after Moses began interceding on their behalf, Pharaoh's heart was hardened more and more and more towards them, and their work got harder. So if you're here today and you haven't believed in Jesus, let me tell you, it might not be easier immediately. But God proves through these plagues that he will protect you for whatever is around you. When the Israelites were freed, Pharaoh had enough. He freed them. He parted the Red Sea and allowed them to walk across in Exodus chapter 14. And the Bible tells us that as they saw Pharaoh's army chasing them, they began their complaining and whining and we're going to die. God's brought us out here to die. Over and over and over as you read this story. But as Pharaoh's chariots entered the dry ground, God swallowed them up by closing the waters of the Red Sea. And Moses in chapter 14, verse 14, tells the Israelites, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. There's so many lessons in that for us of keeping silent for me personally i'm not very silent i really figured when people walked in today and saw rocks on the altars and knew that i was up here they were like oh this is gonna be good y'all are giving her rocks <laughs> i talked to the women on friday night for the desserts and devotion that we had and i, I talked to them about the significance of things that seem insignificant and how sometimes our view of what's significant can be a bit skewed. Pastor Jim teaches us week after week that it's okay that everyone doesn't know our side of the story. The things that are insignificant in our life are the fact that they gossiped or they hurt my feelings or they made me mad or insert whatever here. Those things are insignificant to you. What is significant is our response to those things. Because our response to those things proves Christ's likeness in us. And it proves that it's very possible, just like with the Israelites, God's trying to work something out of you while he works himself into the person that may have hurt your feelings. And you're just part of the process that gets them there. Keep silent while God fights for you. In 
In Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 through 26, it's another count of the Israelites beginning to complain because they arrived at Marah and they couldn't drink the water there because it was bitter. And the people began complaining. And God interceded on their behalf and God said, you see that tree, throw it in the water. And when Moses was obedient and threw that tree in the water, the water became sweet and they could drink it. Here in this place where they were thirsty, all they found was bitterness. But the hand of God made it sweet. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't pausing for you, I'm sorry. Um, or did that it distracted me, I was thinking. Um, Most of the complaining we would do comes from a place of bitterness in us. Making ourselves almost impossible to hear, as Corinthian calls us a, a clanging cymbal or a resounding gong. Most of that bitterness in us has to be removed by God in order that the message of hope that it rests in the gospel of Jesus Christ would be sweet to those around us. Most of us destroy our witness in our marketplace and in our home because of the bitterness that comes out of our mouth. The Israelites in chapter 16 of Exodus are hungry and they began to complain. And God sent quail and meat in the evening and bread for the morning. God provided for them so many times in Exodus chapter 17, verse 1 through 7. Yet again, they are thirsty and don't have water, and they begin to grumble and complain. And God tells Moses, as he intercedes on their behalf, to strike the rock, and water comes from the rock. Yet again, over and over and over, God provided for them. And then in 17, verse 8 through 16, Amalek rises up against them and Joshua and the people defeated Amalek in battle. As they were in battle, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went on top of the mountain. And a lot of us know this story. We've heard this story. When Moses' arms were raised in the air, the Israelites prevailed over Amalek. And when he became tired and his hands fell, the, Amalek, the people of Amalek were prevailing. And, and Aaron and Hur held up the hands of Moses. And, and the people won the battle. They won the victory. And Moses made a memorial there and said, The Lord is my banner. The Lord is our banner. The victory has been won. The battle has already been fought. And God was victorious in it. And that banner of victory waves over each and every one of us who believe in him. The Bible says that we, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what we remember. This banner that waves over us. I, I look at my nephew. He plays sports. There's a banner for his team. That banner that God waves over us. That he fights our battles for us. That he provides for us. That he loves us. That he protects us. Is screaming, they're on my team. 
join me. The tryout process is so easy. Those are the big things. But if you read Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 5, we're reminded that God is in the small things too. It says that through their, their, their wandering in the desert for 40 years, yet, verse 5 says, yet their clothes and sandals did not wear out. God sustained them. Even in their disobedience. The truth is, they, they wandered due to their disobedience. Don't let your disobedience disqualify you. Because God's provision is there to a repentant heart. The whole crux of this is the fact the next thing is Joshua 4, yet again, that they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. Their disobedience delayed their delivery, but it didn't, didn't disqualify them. Remember what God has done on your behalf when you get to a place to where you realize I messed up. I do it every day, like 10, every 10 minutes. Where you get to where you've said something you shouldn't have said or you've done something or you thought something or insert whatever here. Don't beat yourself up and let that disqualify you. Repent and allow God to continue to love you and move you and guide you and move you forward in his promises over your life. <clears throat> I've kind of referenced how we, we parallel the Israelites so much. But I think sometimes as we read the Bible, we, we read these stories from 20,000 feet and we, we almost scoff at them and are like, God was <clears throat> cloud by day, fire by night, breath, quail fell out of heaven, you had something to eat. How are you fussing and griping and complaining? And even Moses says a few times, why do you quarrel with me? You're quarrel, you're, you're complaining against God. And that's, if we get from, if we move from 20,000 feet view of their story and we really look inwardly at ourselves, that thing I think I'm supposed to have that I don't have yet, or this thing I'm, I'm deserving of, or this whatever it is that we find that we're not satisfied with. You're not complaining about the circumstance. You're complaining against God and saying that the work that he's doing in your life isn't good enough for you. We are so much like the Israelites. And we, like the Israelites, need to be reminded. Reminded what God has done for us what God is doing for us, and what God promises to do for us in the Word. There's, Pastor Jim says so many times that familiarity breeds complacency. And there's a scripture in your Bible that I, I love, although I didn't like it a lot when it was so convicting to me. <laughs> but in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, you read the story of Jesus healing ten lepers. And he told them to go present themselves to the priest and they'd be cleansed. And it says that one seeing he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, fell at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And in verse 17, Jesus responds and says, 
Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Yes, God sees you serve other people. Yes, God sees you worship Him in church and out of church. Yes, God sees you when you are obedient to His statutes and His precepts. Yes, God sees these things. But He sees when we're not grateful. And that hit me very, very, very hard the first time I read it with my eyes wide open. Is that I'm, I'm thankful for so many things, but I skipped through so many things that I'm actually truly thankful of. And it became very real to me that God recognizes when I'm not. The Israelites were told to carry those stones and set them up at their lodging place so that when their children ask what they're there for, they could tell them that they had crossed the Jordan on dry ground in order that they would see, that all peoples would see that the hand of the Lord is mighty. We should all have an altar of remembrance just like they did. And I don't, I don't know what your altar looks like. I talked to several of you. I know that there are things. I know that there are trying times in your life. I know that there are trials. Jesus promised that there would be hard times, but that he had overcome. But I can tell you, for me, I started like the Israelites in captivity. I was a prisoner of my own mind. I had no self-esteem, very, very, very low confidence. And I didn't fit in. And so I started becoming whoever I was in the room with at the time. Because I thought if I acted like them, they would like me. And when that wasn't enough, I would buy the tab wherever we went because maybe just maybe if I, I could buy their, their, their liking me or their love for me. But just like the Israelites, I heard of the one sent for me the one who bought me because of his love for me not because of my love for him or anything I could do and I surrendered everything I had and everything I was to him and I finally had a real identity and like the Israelites it took me a very long time I was knocking on the door of 40 years I married a man that I should have never married because I knew I wasn't supposed to. But because I had the wrong view of love, I, I, I believed I could love him enough for the both of us. And I could, I could make it work. So in my disobedience to what I knew, I wasted five years of his life that I'll never be able to give back to him. But I pray that God does. 
And I caused the two of us to suffer the grief of a divorce that we wouldn't have had to. But through that, I realized that I did what so many of us do. I very unfairly expected someone else to like, love me. I didn't even like or love myself. We put these expectations on people when we, we don't even meet them over ourselves. And as Pastor Jim tells us all the time, but God, but God, I have a wonderful husband in a godly marriage. I have the very best friend I could ever ask for. And I have a tangible view of what God's love looks like for me and in my husband. When Pastor Jim and I got married, we were broke. <laughs> I, I don't mean a little broke. I mean, June meant, let me think what I can pay late in June to make up for what a miss in May broke. <clears throat> no. Um, it's not going to be the story of your life. Um, but God provided. In all that, God still provided. When we didn't think we were going to be able to eat, somebody said, can I take y'all out to eat tonight? Groceries went further than, than they used to. God provided. And I remember in order to give God full glory, I drove to, I, was, I, I used to work here in Lebanon at that time. I drove by our house in Old Hickory on my way to Cornerstone to church one Wednesday night. I, I got the mail. I was standing in our kitchen and I'm flipping through the mail and there's like six credit card applications and pre-approvals. I didn't fill them out because that's, don't do that. Um, I'm not I'm not telling this story for that reason. But I saw James Cubic, I saw Angela Cubic on on each and every one of them and I fell flat on my face in our kitchen because God had restored our names that we had destroyed. Simply because we decided to be obedient to him in paying our tithes and offerings. And because he cared enough to provide for us and through his provision of us we could glorify him to the people around us. As I'm doing to you today publicly. Like all young girls and, and women, I, I dreamt of motherhood. But I never had children of my own. But through the love of Jim and, and our marriage, I was, I was given my Madison. And in the last two years, we've been given the blessing of two grandchildren named Landon and Millie. And we are ridiculous. And I have two nieces and a nephew that I absolutely adore that make my life so full that God has blessed me with love for them, not their mother's love, I, nothing, that, that's not my place, but just a very fierce, would use the rocks of my altar of remembrance for the wrong reasons if anyone ever hurt their little feelings too, <laughs> love for those kids. And I tell you this morning, if that's you too, God's plan for you might not look like you planned for you. 
But that's okay. He will provide. I'm sure Miss Julie and Miss Connie would love some help in the children's ministry. You can love on all the kids you want to and hug on them. There is someone newer to the faith than you that needs a spiritual mother to walk alongside them and show them and teach them so that those children, when they ask, you can say that the Lord, the hand of the Lord is mighty. Being the pastor's wife can be a lonely place. Um, I am, we, we all know this. I'm very shy. I'm very backwards. So I absolutely love this fishbowl we live in where everybody watches everything we do. <laughs> there is, a, I, I'm being very honest with you guys, because through this message, God released me to tell so many parts of my testimony that I've never shared with any of you. Um, but there is a consistent, well, you didn't say hi to me, or you didn't say hi to me the way I thought you should say hi to me, or so-and-so sitting in my seat. I sit there every Sunday. Um, I do not take criticism of Pastor Jim and how he preaches or what he decisions he makes for the church with the grace that he does. However, God has given me a front row seat to watch people give their life to the Lord and to hear testimonies of God's provision and promises coming true over your lives. And I get to watch as the word planted takes root and fruit be born out of each and every one of you. And those things cause me to know I'd never want to do anything else even though some days I want to quit. I don't want to do ever I don't ever want to do anything else. Pastor Jim and I after 17 years of marriage and serving in the ministry for a while on this side of the Jordan deliberately and intentionally we'll spend time together remembering remembering what God's done. And I want to tell you today that as we remember your faces come to our remembrance. Because you are people that God has used in our life to, to do work in us and through us and with us. And so we're grateful for you and we remember you in our prayers and in, in our time of worship. And that's, that's what we found when we are intentionally setting time aside to, to remember. Not the dark places not the sin in our life, but the things that God has redeemed us from and the, the provision and the love that God, it truly causes us to worship. And that's what we want for you. That you would remember what God has done for you, who God has used to help you, and you find yourself in a place of worship. Who, like Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, says, in plenty and in lack, I've been in all, I'm paraphrasing, I've been in all circumstances, but I am content in all. Because when we choose to remember the right things, we are content no matter what. 